Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Brad here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've taken in some, some other episodes too. If you're new here, welcome to the Pure Victory community. Pumped to have you. Hey, before we get going too, if you're enjoying the podcast, why don't you hit pause and give a little five star or any star. You can do any star, but prefer five. Prefer five. (laughs) Five star review and leave a comment on the app. When uh, we we get some people reaching out and they say, hey, we found you through Mm -hmm. just searching searching the app uh, for help in porn or sex or whatever it might be. But the more uh, the more reviews that we get, the higher those rankings are. So if you could leave a leave a review, leave us five or four or whatever star rating, that'd be great. And you know, also one of the things maybe you don't realize with that, yeah, it helps us. But the reason why we're asking you to do that is because you're helping others too. And there's so many people that are looking in the search engines for help. And when you give those likes, we become top of the list and people spot us and are able to get help so you can be part of this with us and in helping others just by doing that small thing so thank you for doing it for those that have already done it thank you and so we just put that challenge out to you please give us that rating and like uh, it'll help a lot of people so today we're talking about purity culture which is a term that gets thrown around now when we look back maybe maybe 10 but really 20 30 years ago in the church and what was talked about sex but really I shouldn't even say what was talked about sex because it wasn't talked about (laughs) what what wasn't mentioned about sex but really even more so the perceptions that were given around sex people's ideas around sex and how a lot of us grew up being believers being Christians trying to do the right thing 
but getting these messages around sex and porn and purity that maybe we've come to realize have been damaging and led to some shame and some secrecy. Yeah, totally. When we think of purity, though, I mean, purity is a great word and it's really good. I mean, the response to back, I think, when this really came into our culture as far as a church goes and, and within Christianity, it, uh, it was a response, I think, more than anything to a sexualized, hypersexualized world. And it, it makes sense. You know, you want to protect yourself from some of that stuff and to move away from maybe the behaviors that stemmed out of that. And totally understandable. But I think what happened was it was a, it was a little bit of an extreme response where we stopped talking about sex. We stopped engaging with having authentic conversations about maybe our experiences, but maybe our desires, different things like that. And that created a lot of shame, a lot of doubt, a lot of confusion about sex. And really what the messaging came from it with the purity culture is don't talk about it, don't do it. And then the expectation is then you get married and all of a sudden enjoy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and often that is harmful messaging and there's reasons why that's harmful, but I don't think that this was foreseen really by people that were really pushing this and and how bad it was uh, created. I mean, we grew up in this, right, Matt? Like we both grew up in the purity culture, specifically as teenagers and even into our young adulthood of, of what this did to us and what we experienced in this. And it was, it was challenging at, at times because I know for myself that really what, was what it was. I didn't have any place or space to talk about what I was going through and ch- how I was changing into my teen years. And you know, you have your buddies who are doing one thing and you're hearing another thing messaging from maybe the pulpit. And it's confusing. It really is. And, um, you know, when I started looking at porn and masturbating, I didn't have anybody to talk to about that. And I'm going to just say, my parents are great. They would have, if they had some kind of understanding of this, would I'm sure would have created a safe place for me. But they didn't have any teaching about this as parents either, how to do this. So I went underground even further and further. And it became just a normal rhythm of life for me and I didn't know how to deal with it and I was a lot of confusion about this so challenging um, when it comes to what purity culture did in some of these areas uh, extreme ends anyway yeah and like you say it's it was a response to something and people are well-intentioned but sometimes even good intentions lead to damaging results and you think back like before, well, before I was born, maybe you were close to being born in the 60s or 70s, Brad, and I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're getting I'm going to rage quit right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was it was definitely before both of us yeah. were around. But in the 60s and 70s, there was a sexual revolution, people call it. And yeah. so people were just going nuts and there was STDs and, and lots of just sexual acting out in various ways. And it was just more the culture. And then the Jesus movement came, at least this is in North America and I don't know about the world, but the Jesus movement came and a lot of these people wrapped up in the sexual revolution. They, they got saved, they became Christians and, and this really impacted the church in North America. But then now all of a sudden people are like, okay, we've gone nuts and we've gone crazy sexually. Now we're, now we're believers. And so now we want to stray far away from what we used to do. And so it was just like, this other end of the extreme, this other extreme of going, okay, we did something bad. Now let's not do that. And so then the message is don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't act out sexually. It's harmful. It's bad. It's going to do, you know, make you sick or, or, yeah. or cause pregnancies. Cause there was just so much of that sixties and seventies. And so now that we grow up in this aftermath of going to the other end of the, of the spectrum where you don't talk about it. Yeah. And so a lot of the messaging that we get is unintentionally, 
wrapped in shame where it's like, okay, now it's taboo. It's too taboo to talk about. Mm -hmm. This is not something that we preach about when you're dating, like make the goal to not do it. Right. Make the goal when you're dating to not have sex or to not get too physical, to not cross that line. And then when you're married, it's like, okay, game on. But, (laughs) but how do you know even what to do? Cause no one was ever talked to about it. And so there's a lot of these messages that were maybe subtle, but it created shame and created silence and secrecy. And, you know, I mean, I always say like porn is a Goliath in this land. Like it, it taunts us day and night. Like I'm too big. You can't take me on. And for a long time, I think the church was like the army of Israel. And they're like, yeah, that's true. It is too big. We can't mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so people then weren't equipped and they weren't equipped to battle the giant that was still there. And so instead of addressing it and being equipped for it we just kind of ignored it but then underneath the like under the current it just raged and it got bigger and bigger because people like brad and i are then stuck in church on sundays thinking we were the only people that did it on saturday night because <laughs> nobody right. talks about that's it right. and that's the lie that satan wants to plant in us is that yeah. you're the only one and what's wrong with you yeah so let's talk about some of those lies because the big one is sex equals bad sex equals dirty good girls don't have sex right or good boys don't have sex um this kind of mentality that really came from it so when we say the word sex automatically we think we associate that with some sort of sinful practice activity and really what the harm of that is is that it twists and distorts something that's good and when we stop talking about something that god created and intended for our benefit our flourishing our enjoyment when we stop talking about that it becomes confusing it becomes shameful and becomes sinful because the enemy works in those areas and so there's no why given to sex why is sex good why does it matter that god has put some boundaries around it for our benefit we just think of god as like turning his face from us in marriage when we're having sex right that mentality or it's only for procreation or but god created sex to be pleasurable to be good and to be connecting. And so when you're a teenager, you're growing up in the purity culture, I know this is for me, I started to think that sex was a dirty thing. It's a dirty word. And then anything associated was dirty. And so if I want to remain pure, that means that, you know, thinking these things, I must not be pure. I must not be good. And then I view God as someone who's angry, someone who is disappointed in me. I have these desires, but I must be bad because I have them and I don't know who to talk to. So if you, if you understand that God created sex to be good, then you can have a conversation about why is it good? Why did he put those boundaries around it to benefit us? Because often that's what happens. If you don't talk about it, you, don't, you, you shut that down, then you're going to want to explore too. That creates curiosity as well. So there's shame and guilt, then curiosity. So let's go experiment. Let's go try this stuff. And you don't know that it's actually harming you harming you and you don't know why that god has created some really good kind of guidelines for us so that sex becomes what it was intended to be and so that's that's some of the things that occurred especially with the purity culture is a boomerang effect you go even further into the activity and you start to reject what you feel is something that god set up that he didn't um and and a lot of people actually relationally get messed up in this area and actually can move away from God because they feel that he is disappointed in them and upset and, yeah. and angry an angry God right and so they view church like that they view any conversation around sex as judgmental and and really though no we need to talk about the why and something that I would have liked to have definitely when I was growing up 
Yeah, and we're hoping that as we just point out a couple things that were taught in church or or implied in in church culture that that you can look in your own life and go, hey, that's still true for me. That lie is still true for me. And there's there's a few things that come up, but one of them one of them is that purity equals sex. Like, hey, are you pure? Or like, we're staying <laughs> right. pure until marriage. What does that mean? Does that mean that you're like dying to your, dying to yourself and that you have a pure heart? That when your partner is not a good communicator, that you're acting in purity Mm -hmm. or is it just like no purity just means i'm not getting too physical right so purity equals sex and and so then when we are sexually pure then we just think well i'm I'm pure but are you really because are is there other junk in your heart right like are you selfish in other ways or do you have other unconfessed sin secret sin that you're not that you're not uh, addressing because the message is, well, I'm pure. I'm not sexually active right now before marriage. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that purity means sex, but actually, uh, or, or means abstaining from sex, but actually it's, it's a purity is a heart condition because even when you get married and then you're having sex, you're pure. Yeah. So abstaining from sex isn't the definition of purity. Because when you're married, you're supposed to have a lot of sex with your mm-hmm. spouse, mm-hmm. and then you're still very pure. Yeah. But like I say, you can also be sexually pure or abstinent before marriage, but still be impure in your heart. Yeah, that's right. You know what creates purity for us? Why we are pure is because of Jesus. Yeah, um, the blood. We are washed in the blood of of, of Christ. And if you're not a Christ follower, you're like, what are you talking about? It just means that. He, he died for us, the sin that we have. He died for us. He took that upon his shoulders. And by his death, through his death and resurrection, we are now clean. We are now pure before God. And so that's really the key thing. We have to look to Jesus where our purity comes from. Because often what occurs when the purity culture is, it becomes about me. It becomes about myself and my actions. And a little bit of self-righteousness creeps in there. Like, oh, look at me. I don't have any desire. And I always, whenever I hear them, like, so you're dating, you have no desire for each other. <laughs> How does that work? Maybe you're with the wrong person. But anyways, like you think that that is really, you're resting on your kind of achievement here instead of looking to Jesus and that he's the one who transforms our heart and where our purity comes from. And that's one of the things that can come with purity culture. Cause then we start to, it creates this kind of two tiered mentality, people that are in this where I'm here, you're there. And Look at me, I'm on the pedestal because I'm pure. You're not pure. So I'm going to tell you about purity and I'm going to tell you how bad you are and and everything else versus the message of looking to Jesus. And we want to be clear here. (laughs) That doesn't mean that we're not moving towards God and we, we try to implement those boundaries that God has for us. But it's a different mindset completely. It's a different mindset. I hope you're picking up on that. Um, yeah. No, that's really good, Brad, because there's even some brides that they've had sex before marriage, but mm-hmm. then they don't have a white wedding dress, right? right? They have like an off-white one or a beige one or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't save myself. I'm not like, I can't have this pure white dress. Yeah. But no, like purity isn't just defined by being sexually pure. It's defined by Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're pure because of the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And so that's another message from purity culture is that if you've screwed up, well, you're not pure before marriage. That's right. But you actually can be. There was a super cool story I heard recently. There's a husband and wife I know that they they had lots of sex before marriage. I don't think they were Christians until after they got married. So the husband was telling me that he just, I think it was like a month ago or two months ago, he was closing his eyes. And you know when you close your eyes, you just see black in your kind of mind's eye or whatever. Like when you close your eyes, all you see is black. Well, when he was closing his eyes, all he saw was like bright red. 
And he kept closing his eyes and then opening them and then closing them. And he would just see red. And he was like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> He's like, is something wrong? Like he yeah. thought he was like bleeding or something wow. in his eye. Okay. And so this kept going on. And then all of a sudden he opened his eyes one time, he closed his eyes and all he saw was white hmm. and it just changed. And so this went on and now all he's, all he's seen is white. And then he was like, what on earth? And so eventually in this experience, God spoke to him and he said, you're pure because of my blood. Mm -hmm. My blood, the red, has came and made you white yeah. as snow. It made you yeah. pure. And so it was this thing that was so neat because I said to him, how loving is God? Because you know that. You know you're forgiven. But still God came and emphasized that because he wants it to get even deeper in you. And he wants to tell you himself, you know, you're pure. So when we have these, as an example, a bride has a wedding dress that's not totally white or we speak over herself like, oh, I'm not pure because I, I screwed up. Actually, no, you're pure because of the blood of Jesus if you've got your faith in him and if you've repented. Yeah. And that's such a cool thing that wasn't necessarily the primary message of, of, uh, of purity culture. Yeah, very true. And I think that's such a key thing to just grasp because there's some people within that grew up in this that maybe you made some choices and there's some regret there, but you feel like you are damaged goods forever that you can never be pure ever again. Yeah, no way. Yeah, and and that's not true. And and so that, that understanding too, um, often that causes disconnect between us and God because we feel we have to perform. We've talked about this a little bit, but performance to gain God's acceptance and love for us, to gain others' acceptance of us. And so you're cast out almost. You feel like you're a leper, like you're cast outside the city. And because of this, this thing that happened or that you made a choice or something that was done to you or something that you did, now you're removed from experiencing a deeper intimacy with God because you messed up. So, I mean, you can't come back from that. Not true. And that's the key thing that we want to be very clear with you. God is a loving God and he forgives us. We come to him and repent, meaning that we turn, but we ask for forgiveness and then turn from that behavior. God is a good God and he loves us and accepts us fully. So, you know, have that understanding. White as snow. What a great visual um, that uh, the scripture talks about with yeah. us. So it's really, really neat. Some other, or one other message at least that I got from purity culture was we talk so much about sex, but then I'm watching porn and because there's no communication in the church or families about sex, then I keep it secret. But in porn, I'm seeing like blow jobs. I'm seeing hand jobs. I'm seeing oral sex. I'm seeing all these things. I'm seeing toys. Like I'm seeing all these things that now I'm equating personally. This is my story. I just thought all of it was dirty. Yeah. And so I would think about having sex with my future wife, but all of the rest of it I thought was dirty because my whole introduction to all of it was as dirty. It was all porn. It was all like infidelity and all of the stories that go on in porn. So I just thought like, ooh, like that stuff's all dirty. And then I get married and then all of a sudden I'm like, what do I even do with this? And I don't know. And it was interesting. I don't know if I've said this before, but the first few times, and I don't know how long it lasted, but when, when I would have sex and when I would finish, I always had a guilty feeling. Mm. Right. I always did because it's like how many times before when I was single did I have that same physical feeling equated with guilt? Yeah. So I always would feel guilty uh, for the first little bit. I'm not sure how long it lasted in marriage, but all and then all of these different things that go on with foreplay and different areas of sex. It's not just intercourse. It's like, oh, this actually isn't dirty. Like these are yeah. things that God designed or that He allows for us to do yeah. within His design. And so I had to really reframe the way that I saw a lot of things. Yeah, the messaging can completely kind of mess us up a bit. Yeah. Like about certain things that we either internal messaging or the outside stuff that 
that is out there. And it can cause us to think about sex in such a harmful way to the point where we can't engage with it fully when we're married. And even on the other end too, like say someone who's, you know, decides to be curious and explore and do these things, doesn't see a problem with that. Um, but their understanding too of sex and the goodness of it that God has for us, they're removed from that too. They feel like, well, I'm in rebellion and I'm doing yeah. things and and maybe that's the association that comes from that. And so then we, we move that into our relationships and into marriage and then that's why they say that sex is one of the big three hot button topics when it comes to marriage. Um, and it makes sense why on a level because it's such an intimate act, but it also makes sense based on the messaging we get from our culture and our world. Um, and even some of the stuff that came out of purity culture, um, why it is such a difficult thing because <laughs> we've been kind of messed up sometimes with some of the stuff we heard at least growing up and we've taken that on. We've taken it on like a backpack and we carry that into marriage and, and, and we don't know how to deal with that. We don't even know how to begin to deal with that or talk about it because some of this stuff was, you know, really deeply ingrained in us growing up. Um, it might've come from parents too. I know that sometimes, even if you have a question, we've heard this where a parent will get angry if you have a question. Yeah. Some of you, that might've been your experience and it's not the hammer on our parents. They have their own reasons and, and background of why that might've been the response. But for us, that damaged us because then that means ah, it's not safe to talk about sex. I'm not even going to talk about it. And and so <laughs> it just creates this this harmful messaging that we can bring into our marriage and it can, can damage our intimacy with each other. So that's why this is important to kind of address some of these things and to at least start talking about it. Um, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Did you ever hear the message men are men like sex is physical or, or men are visual? Yeah. And sex for women is emotional. Yeah. You hear oh, that yeah. message? All the time. <laughs> Man, I used to I used to hear that all the time too. Uh -huh. And then I get married and I'm like, but like I, I actually really like the emotional connection. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the spiritual connection, our premarital counselor, like, pray that the Holy Spirit is be there when you guys are love making. And I'm like, oh, that is that is a different thing. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. But why not? He yeah. wants to be in everything. And totally. but we've been taught verbally or just from silence. That, you know, your sex drive is something that you should shy away from, that you should deny, that, like, don't bring God into that. If you're going to honor God, you don't talk about your sex drive. Yeah. So now I'm getting married and he's like, no, bring God into your sex drive, into your sexual times with your wife. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I'm, like, really enjoying the emotional part of it. And then yeah. she wants the physical part. And I'm like, but this is not what the messaging was That's my right. whole life. And so then, the, the the like, a common thing that women say about purity culture is like, hey, this is about us too. Sex is about us. We want the orgasm. We want physical pleasure. But that's not the message that they're always given. The message is like, hey, sex is like for men. Like you need to make sure that he's taken care of and his needs are, are satisfied. And that's yeah. what a good wife does, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's this message that sex is almost probably more for men and women should just do it for the men. Yeah, it's like a it's like a service that you're providing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then so, and then so girls growing up hear that that any desire maybe sexually, well, that doesn't line up with that, right? If maybe they heard that, well, it's a a wife's duty to please her husband in this area, and sex is really about the guy because they have the desire; they're the ones that need it. Yeah. Um, so you hear that, and you're like, well, I want to be a loving wife, and I want to help my husband, and uh, but these desires that I have, well, they don't really matter. They don't really, it's not part of this, you know, it's something that I got to, you know, kind of push aside and not think about and it's all for him. 
And how damaging is that? Look at Song of Songs, the mutual yeah. pleasure that is experienced by husband and wife in that that chat, those chapters in the in, in that uh, book of the Bible. So it's it's one of those things that it's not true that messaging, and it's it's funny because we think it comes from say scripture, but it doesn't. <laughs> this is actually a lot of traditional stuff that's been incorporated as we were talking about, like in a response to some of this deciding culture are are showing so we respond in the exact opposite and i get that but it can be very harmful yeah it is harmful and you feel like read song of songs they're like before they're married they're just craving each other Mm -hmm. they're dreaming of having sex with each other and then they get married and then they're like tasting each other's juices yes it's not just (laughs) not just intercourse that's right tasting the juices of their lover and 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 the the person that's speaking in this is actually the 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 woman yeah Um, so there you go that just throws out that whole idea that it's only for men yeah 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 exactly and and even paul writes the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband so the husband is doing it to his wife first and then the wife to the husband but that's not the message that purity culture came up with the purity culture message was women orgasms sometimes are for lucky but really it's about the men and when the man man is done like well if the woman didn't get it so it's that's what happened that's right. Right. And so some people talk about the orgasm gap between men and women, but God's design is that, man, like I want both of you guys. Mm-hmm. In fact, I want the women to experience it first. Yeah. And that would be the ideal design, which really mimics God's relationship to us, which is really the point of sex. I, I think primarily why God designed it the way he did. Like I remember Francis Chan, a pastor, he was talking about like, man, it's crazy. We could have, we could have like, just walked along and like stepped on something and that could have been how we made babies like it could yeah, have been yeah. it could have been like step on like a, a kind of dirt and that's yeah. how a baby was formed but no god made it like we can have this mutually pleasurable experience and that's how god how god designed procreation but the reason is because like jesus loves us we are his bride then we're to love him but we love because he loved us first mm. So here it talks with the husband fulfill the duty to his wife. The husband, like Jesus, the bridegroom, first loved his bride. Sexually, we're supposed to love our wives. And then the wife pleasures the husband. And it goes both ways. But women so often are like, they're they're second in in this order, right? They're like second class citizen sexually here to serve. But then on the flip side, the husband is, I, I think, probably more entitled or more selfish thinking. And this is about me and like, honey, yeah. well, I got needs here. I got desires. Like, you got to take care of me. And <laughs> there's a book that was really famous in, I don't know, in the 90s maybe, but talked about every 72 hours, a man has to have a, a release. Mm-hmm. And so some men read this book and it's like, well, now that didn't help me. With my with my porn addiction that just made it worse because yeah. now i'm like justifying every three days if my wife doesn't give it to me i've got to go to porn yeah. and then get mad at her because she's not doing it and then she feels guilty like oh i'm a bad oh. wife and so all of these narratives that come when we don't teach what's in alignment with scripture that's right men we've been given message out of purity culture often that we are basically animals in this way like yeah. we have these desires yeah. and urges and uh, we can't control these things and and you know this is just the way we're we are and that's not the messaging god gives i mean the amazing thing that god did with man and woman and i love this is he created us to be different and in that difference we serve and love each other and through that our intimacy grows our ability to hear each other our ability to um, open up our hearts to one another to be vulnerable to put another's needs above our own, but at the same time be able to communicate in love what we do need as well. 
that's a beautiful picture of marital sex and we grow in that together we grow closer over time and that's the one aspect that purity culture didn't communicate how good sex can be and what it's designed for sex when we don't talk about it is now seen as bad and dirty so all these amazing good things about it um, is lost that communication message is lost so people think it's an afterthought in marriage and it's just something that you do in marriage um, or you squeeze your legs together in the hopes that you know you can hold out because the messaging they're getting is purity equals no sex and while there are boundaries God gives us one of the th messaging that purity culture lost was the why there's no why given to your why you're doing that one of the whys that I would have loved to have heard is think of your future wife Think of how amazing it'd be you can stand before her on your wedding day and you have committed well before you knew her to love her and and you've made that choice and you've done your your best with God's help at him at the center to not bring baggage into your marriage, into your relationship. And in the baggage that you have brought in, God is going to cover that and he's going to help you with that. Even though there's challenge that can come from that, together in marriage, you will figure that out and grow together. So... I wish I would have had that messaging of, well, why am I holding out? Why am I not having sex and sleeping around when I'm a teenager? I just thought it was because sex is bad and I'm not supposed to do it. Otherwise, I'm basically, you know, I'm going to engage in it and I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand. What kind of church did you go to? You're going to die? <laughs> hey, that, my church was great. They didn't say that. But, you know, a teenager, you know, like, well, man, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me. You're so scared, right? It's <laughs> okay. And so there's fear, but then the curiosity too, and you just go crazy and you sleep around and you might get an STD or you rack up a lot of hurt and pain and wreckage through the process of that because you didn't understand the why and how, how amazing sex really is. It's not just this physical thing. It's a beautiful picture that God gives us in marriage. So you lose that messaging, you can go the other way too. So that's one of the challenges that's, um, that, that has arisen because of the purity culture. So but if we can have better messaging now, so even if you're experienced that, we want to tell you there's hope. The ideas that maybe you were raised in and grew up and they don't have to stay that way. Man, I remember in youth, I don't remember any message on sex or porn in my youth group. And I might just forget. I don't think there was one, but maybe I just forget. But I do remember one time they brought in a pregnant teenager mm -hmm. who was connected to our church somehow. And so she shared her story about all of the harms and how she made a mistake and all of the things now her life has changed because she's having this kid. Yeah. And so that's the one message I remember on sex. And basically it was like, don't do it. Yeah. Right? Look yeah. at how bad it is. Mm -hmm. Look at looking at my life now. I'm a pregnant teen mom. <laughs> and right. I'm a pregnant teen. Yeah. And so it's interesting. But it's like you're saying, sex actually is beautiful. And uh, so we hope that you can hear this and go, okay, what am I maybe believing wrong? If there's part of sex that isn't ungodly but i don't see the beauty in it maybe there's something to to see and to to look at there and what are some messages that you got from your church life that maybe is affecting you today and maybe if you're ma married or single you can have different circumstances but how are things affecting you because the the harm in all of this is that the world has always been screaming about sex mm -hmm. especially since playboy came to be a long time ago yeah. um, for decades before the church got talking about it the world was screaming about sex and so a lot of the guilt and shame came because the things got perverted and everything that we engaged in was dirty um, because it was dirty, but it wasn't God's beautiful design for sex. And so we don't want husbands and wives to come together sexually doing something that's beautiful 
and feeling guilt and feeling shame. And that's not God's design either and not his will for you. So hopefully there's something from this episode that you can take for your own life. And if you've got uh, maybe a friend or two that would love to hear some of this stuff and and, uh, and that grew up in purity culture, maybe feel free to send that episode to them. And like Brad was saying at the start, you can help spread this message of healthy sex, healthy sexuality in uh, in our world today. Thanks for hanging out. And if you want some more episodes, just go scroll. There's lots to choose from. So God bless. We'll chat soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.